the teenage years are the worst possible time to stop telling them that you love them. It's the easiest time because they look mean. They look like they don't need it. They look like they don't care. But you can't mirror back what they're giving you. You have to look through them and know that in their heart of hearts, even though they're acting really strange right now, they want you to not stop loving them. Don't stop loving them. Don't stop communicating that you love them because that, and ultimately that, that wins. That's going to be the thing that wins. Have you ever felt like talking to your kid was like talking to a, well, hello, wall. The truth is your teenager wants to talk to you. They would love to tell you all about their world outside of your home. Meet Mike Donahue, youth specialist, school culture expert, school assembly speaker, communicator, author, and all-around cool dude. He has over three decades of experience connecting with teenagers and would love to help you connect with yours. Join us for this dynamic podcast. Hello, Wall. Hello. I'm Steve Hayes, thought leader and happypreneur. And I'm here with Mike Donahue, Hall of Famer. I call him a Hall of Famer because he's been working with teenagers for over three and a half decades. He's an author. He's a communicator. He's a school culture expert. And now, to my delight, he is a podcaster. This is his podcast, Talking to Brick Walls, Yay. and I get to come along for the journey and just ask the questions. How you doing, Mike? Doing awesome today. Last episode, awesome, awesome. Uh, we're only at episode number two right now, and I'm so happy that you're online and you're sharing what you've learned to help us connect with our teenage kids. And that's what talking to brick walls is all about, because that's what it feels like. Oftentimes, we're talking to brick walls. So we talked a little about who you were last episode, and even how you got into the point of you took your pain, and all of a sudden you want to help other people instead of just focusing on yourself now. I'd like to start getting into the book a little bit. And by the way, you can download uh, Mike's book if you want to follow along with us. We're just going to be getting into the introduction. The book is so good, Mike, that I'm not even going to get past the introduction today. We're We're not even going into chapter one yet. Even the introduction just floored me. It made me stop and go, hmm, wow. So many times. So we're probably not even get out of the introduction. So if you guys would like to follow along with us, we can just go to mikedonahue.co, right? And then click on, what is it, a product page or book page yep. or something like that? Yeah, re- resources. And right then, on, and then they can get the book from there and f- even follow along. Yep. Let's talk about the introduction here. You, you talked a little bit in there about the difference between when your kids are th- talking to your third grade kid versus when they turn into an eighth grade kid. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, when your third grader talks to you, it's like, you know, they just can't shut up. They just want to talk to you about everything. You ask them how their day, the key, the, 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 the sentence or the, the question, uh, how was your day, you know, to a third grader is, you <laughs> it's know, like great. It's like open game, man. Uh, it's like, it's boom. Written, start yeah. the engine. Here we go. <laughs> right. So, I mean, and so that's awesome. And, and I loved that when all my kids were young. I, I mean, I enjoyed the conversations that we had. I remember my son wrestled and we would go to different tournaments and he was just a young kid, you know, second, third grade and just how fun that was. And he would talk and talk about the, you know, different things. And, you know, we just laugh and, you know, that kind of thing. And then, you know, they turn 12, 13 and all of a sudden their social world opens up completely to them. And that's why things get different 
because now they're what they want to talk about is not the science fair in third grade anymore. It is okay, all this new stuff that's happening and what kids are talking about in school in the hallways and they're coming down the hallway listening to different things and their friend groups. And up to that point, basically, we were their social world, right? I mean, it was the family. That was basically the social world. And now it doesn't just kind of double. It like explodes open with all these other possibilities. Absolutely. So that's and that's exactly what happens. It, it explodes. It It's now it's all new. And they don't know really what to do with it all because it's a lot of information. That's another thing. Another part of this is that it's it's not only different, it's overwhelming because it's it's powerful. It's way more powerful because now it's social media and it's it's you know, a stream of, of thought that they didn't think about, you know, when they were in third grade, fourth grade. It starts to change fourth, fifth grade, sixth grade, and then you know, they get into seventh and eighth and yeah. it's a whole different yeah. ballgame. That's game. the truth. So you talk to your child and and, and here's the thing too, because then you can feel like, man, no matter how good of a parent I am at their third grade level, I feel like I'm just killing it, man. I just feel like I'm knocking it out of the park because my kids don't want to talk to me, right? They're the same kid when they turn eighth grade, seventh grade. Some type people might hit it at sixth grade, some at ninth grade. But there's a point in there somewhere where this world gets so big for them. And then they it's like they flip 180 degrees where they don't talk to us at all. And so before, it's easy to go, well, I must be a great parent because my kids love to talk to me. Now it's easy to feel like, oh, I'm a bad parent because my kids don't want to talk to me. But dive into that a little bit more. Yeah, basically because they don't want to, they don't trust you with that information. That's a hard sentence for you to hear right now, some of you parents. But I got to say it again. You, they don't trust you with that information. That doesn't mean you're not trustworthy. It means the information is toxic. The information is dangerous. The information that they have now going on in their head is different than the science fair in third grade. So, yeah, they want to talk about it, but no, they don't because they know they're going to get a reaction out of you or you might not like some of it. And so they don't know what to do with that, right? I I do think they want to talk to you about it, but I also think that sharing that's dangerous for them and they don't know what you're going to do with it. So they would rather just go, my day was fine. How's your day? It's good. What do you mean? Yeah. It was fine. You know, I went to school. What else? Nothing. You know, and they shut you down. Not because they don't want you to know, but they don't, they don't know. If you do know and, and you don't like it, you might judge them. You might not like them anymore. And that seems like a really crazy thing to say, but I can't tell you how many kids will tell me when I'm in an assembly, I, I speak in high schools and, and when I'm done, there's usually a bunch of kids wanting to talk to me. And a lot of times they'll say this to me. They'll say, I wish I could tell my parents what I just told you. Or I'll ask them. I'll say, you know, did you tell your parents this? No. I'm a, you know, I go, why? Like, cause I'm afraid what, what they're going to think of me, you know, if I tell them this, well, that's, you know, I mean, I understand that, but they really don't want to tell me. They want to tell the parent. They want to tell them because you love them more than I do. I mean, I, I care about kids, but I don't care about your kid the way you care about your kid, right. you know, and, and no speaker does, no teacher does, no, no other adult does, but you, you love them. They, they know that they want to tell you, but that it's a two edged sword because they want to tell you because you're so important, but they don't want to disappoint you yeah. because you're so in important. In fact, you said in the introduction, one of your lines were, they didn't decide you weren't cool anymore. They decided they couldn't trust you with important information anymore because they knew you might not like what you were going to hear. They know 
what your values are, what your family morals are, what your family mores are. They know how they're supposed to react, but they get into a school and there's a whole nother world there. And I know you're, know you're going to talk about that in another episode, but you know that's what you're saying. It's not like they decided that you're not cool. They're just concerned sharing it with you because they do love you that much. Talk exactly. about this. The yeah. line you said in your introduction where you said, if we favor quote-unquote right behavior over honesty, we inadvertently will create liars out of our children. What? That seems a little potent. If we value right behavior over honesty, we are going to create liars out of our children. That's a potent sentence. What does that mean? Well, if you're looking for a certain behavior from your kid, which you are, if you're raising them you know, with morals and values... They know that. You have an image, and we're going to get into this more in one of the – the third chapter really dives into this. But you have a, an image of your child that they know that, that you have for them. And so – and it's, it's behavior-based, right? It's, it's what they do. And so they, they know that, and they want to project that, that they're doing that. Right, but this whole other world they live in now is probably is not matching the values at home. Like I'm just going to say it: the school values, and I'm not. This is not putting down schools; it's the way it is across the country. The hallways of a high school are are not the hallways of your home. So right. the 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 values and and what's important there is not important at home. And so they live into they live in both those worlds. And we're going to unpack that more, you know, as we go down the line here. But just so you understand that, that's what's happening is that there's two different governments competing for their for their loyalty. And they love you. They absolutely love you and they want to please you, but they also live 8 8 to 10 hours in this other world. And so if we don't if if parents don't if, if we favor right behavior and we correct their behavior all the time, but we're not understanding these social nuances and these this social pressure that they're feeling, then they're going to lie to you. They're gonna, when they're around you, they're going to say, "Yeah, everything's good. I'm good. I'm glad. You know, uh, you know, everything's fine. I'm, I'm, you know, kosher." Da da da. But then, you know, they what how they really live. And what the example I use in the book is when I was a youth pastor, I got called over to one of the pastors' homes. Um, and one of the, the, their son was in my youth group. The son was, you know, you know, one of my leaders, a student leader, a kid, good kid, you know. But I kind of knew w- what was going on with them, and but they didn't. And so when I got over to the house, they had a stack of papers that they had downloaded off his computer. They basically printed all this stuff up that he had on his phone, his computer. Some of it was porn, some of it was music. He was the lyrics of some music he was listening to, and. He was sitting there in a slump, you know, and I walk in and the, and the mom just like, you know, basically showed me all this stuff and said, you know, my son's a hypocrite. And I said, no, he's not. He's not a hypocrite. A hypocrite is, is different. This kid is just a kid who's negotiating two worlds and you just got a glimpse into this other world that he lives in. And he's been lying to you, not because he hates you or he, he doesn't, you know, he just wants to deceive you. It's He's lying to you because he loves you. And he doesn't yeah. want you to see this part of him. Yeah. But this is part of him. This is him. This is his life. He's living this right now. And he it all came crashing in on him. And you know, I was trying to help them understand that he's not evil. You know, he's just a kid dealing with, with social world and you know, he's been living two different worlds. And you create a liar out of the kid if you don't understand that. If you don't understand that side of him or her as well, 
and you don't go there with them a little bit and provide a, a pathway for them to be honest about that. And that's what you're doing. You're providing an, an atmosphere. You're creating an atmosphere by saying things to them like, listen, I, I love you no matter what, and I want you to be honest with me, and I'm going to really try hard not to judge or you know come down on you if you tell me what's going on. But I really want to know what's going on. If you're struggling with anything, I, I want to be the one that you're able to tell. And that's a, you know, you got to put your money where your mouth is. Because if you, if you say that, then you better be willing to, you know, listen and don't judge. And you know, we can get into some more specifics of that, you know, as we go. But that's that's really what you're trying to do. You don't want a liar out of your kid. You want your kid to tell you the truth. When I was a youth pastor, I used to say to my parents, "I want your kids to sin in front of you," and they would look at me like, "What?" And sin, I mean, you know, bad behavior, you know, Blowing not meeting it. the expectations um, making of mistakes, the home. Yeah. Falling on your face, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Right. And and basically, I want them to do it in front of me because I can coach it when it's in front of me. I can't coach it yeah. when it's under the table and they hide it. And then who knows who's coaching them then? You know what I mean? Other peers and, you know, that kind of thing. So we definitely want that on Honesty has to be a premium. You've got to want honesty more than you want good behavior. More than you want them to say what you want them to say, right? Right. You know, and it's funny because it's easy to say, well, my kids shouldn't do that. And why would he do that? And that doesn't help. And yeah, logically on paper, that all makes sense. But we all do it, Mike. I mean, how many times has someone said, do these pants make me look fat? (laughs) Right? And you're like, no. Yeah, they do. But do you ever (laughs) say, yeah, they do? No, you give them, you don't give them honesty. You give them what you think they want. But your kids are dealing with something even far more than just do these pants make me look fat. I mean, we have a hard time being honest sometimes when people ask us questions like that. But your kids are, are dealing with, the worlds that they're dealing with are just massive. And remember, they're still just a kid. They don't really know what they're doing so i mean we all do it it only makes sense that our that our our kids would would do that with us absolutely absolutely you also said having behavior expectations without truly understanding the complexities of the social world can create dishonesty in their communication with us in other words yeah their social world is pretty complex right now talk about that a little bit what do you mean the complexities of their social world you're not just talking social media here Right. I think as a, as a, they're, they're a specific social world. So if they're on the volleyball team, you know, what's, what's the culture like on the volleyball team? You know, if they're on, um, you know, if they're on the sports team, if there are, you know, if they have, um, you know, scouting, I, whatever, whatever social, you know, if they're in a church group or youth group, whatever, whatever they're in that they're, they're being, um, you know, influenced by that social culture, you want to know what's going on. You you want to not prying and not not you know invading it, but you want to kind of have an ear to what's happening because that's probably where their social pressure is coming from. So we need to be as parents, we need to kind of have an understanding of it, you know, and, and ask questions along those lines. And and again, not to be invasive, but to be on top of it. And if they're not telling you about it there's ways to for you to find out you know without them knowing but it's a really good idea to know what pressure that they're feeling right now and we need to be okay, students so we of need that to study we need to learn from them are you going to talk about that more in some episodes down the road and we get into that like some things that we can do to kind of enter their world a little bit yeah probably one of the main themes that you're going to hear a lot from me and you're probably going to get sick of it but it's the it really is the number one thing that you need to do is listen even if you're in a fight with them and they start spewing off a bunch of stuff, 
Listen between the lines. Listen to the frustration. Listen to the tension that they're feeling because that's important. That's what's happening with them. There, there's tension. There's this tension of, I love my parents. I love the values I grew up with. But I also, I'm living in this world that if I don't meet this criteria, again, we're going to get into this more you know, when, we, when, we, when we talk about this, but if I don't meet these these expectations that my social world has for me, there is a consequence. And you have to understand that as a parent. There's a consequence that for them not going by the rules socially. Either either they're going to get shunned or they're going to be outright attacked if they don't, you know, follow the certain rules and and they they change. I mean, they're not they're not always the same. You know, as they get older, they they change. They also change, you know, they're, they're different for every school or every, you know, every um you know, youth. As I speak in schools, there's different types of rules for you know different communities, and so there's a lot of different things that you need to know as a parent. What are they dealing with? Where's the tension coming from? And and then offering some you know relief to that. If you're just another voice of saying, you know, well, you need to meet these expectations in this home because these are more important. Well, they're going to do it to your face, but then they have to go to school, and they've got to they've they've got to you know, deal with this stuff that's going on, you know, for longer. I mean, it's eight to 10 hours. If they're into sports, it's longer. And so, you know, you, you as a parent really need to understand that. So you're not another voice and just adding pressure upon pressure, but understanding where that tension is coming from. I, I think it'd be very good for the parents right now to hear you say this again, but your kids do want to talk to you. And you said something in the introduction that says, there is tremendous pressure for young people to manage today. Why wouldn't they want the people who love them the most to help them manage these pressures? Could you just go that in for the parents that maybe are listening and all this information is a lot to take in and go, oh no, my kids are going down this path, going down this. Just talk about that a second. Just just reaffirm us as parents that they do want to hear from us and they do need to hear from us and they, they do care about us. Yeah. Yeah, they they do. They want to hear from you. They they love you. You love them. They know you love them. They at the end of the day, they know that you love them more than anybody in their social world could ever love them. The consequences that the people in that social world give them is what's driving them. It's not the love or the loyalty they have for this new social world. That's what that's what you have to get through your head because if it's if you're thinking it's a loyalty issue, then you're you're going to f- get frustrated. It's not a loyalty issue. It's an issue of they're paying a social price for not at least pretending that they are going by those rules. They will pay a price. That's the leverage that that social world uses. The leverage you have is that you love them and you care about them. They know that. And so you you have to leverage that. You have to be able to communicate that clearly that you love them and that the reason why you don't want them to do certain things is not because you you need to protect an image of your family you know, whatever, but you love them and you're scared for them and you care about them and you want the best for them. If that gets clearly communicated, then you're on the right track. Yeah. And I don't know if this is exactly how you ordered it um, or not, but this is really what you said. And I think this is a great way to finish this. I'm going to ask if there's anything else that you want to say to the parents to, to wrap this thing up. But I just want to double down on what you said in, in the introduction Near the end, you said, even though teenagers act like they don't need us, 
They really do. And listener, your kids need you and they need you right now. And they might act like they don't, but don't follow their actions. You know that they need you. And and they might not be the most open like they were in third grade, but that doesn't mean that we don't figure out some ways that we can connect with them because they really do need you. Anything you'd like to say about that or anything else you'd like to say to, to wrap this thing up? Sure. Going back to the third grade analogy again, you know, when when your son or daughter in third grade made a mistake, you had no problem making sure there was a separation between the consequence, you know, for their action and the fact that you love them. Um, we, we did that. You know, we, if you they get upset, you know, they get in trouble, they get upset, they sit in their bed, you go in, you talk to them, you make sure, listen, I love you, even though you messed up. The teenage years are the worst possible time for that to stop. It's the easiest time for mm. that to stop because they look mean. Say that again. It's it's the worst possible time to stop telling them that you love them. It's the easiest time because they look mean. They look like they don't need it. They look like they don't care. But you can't mirror back what they're giving you. You have to look through them and know that in their heart of hearts, even though they're acting really strange right now, they want you to not stop loving them. Don't stop loving them. Don't stop communicating that you love them because that, and the, ultimately that, that wins. That's going to be the thing that wins. Wow. Because of their actions, because they're trying to figure this thing out, it is the easiest time to stop communicating with your kid and to just close down and, uh, and to stop giving them the guidance that they need. But it is the most important time to not do that. That is so good. That is so good. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Thanks for all of you that are watching and listening. We hope that helps. MikeDonahue.co, MikeDonahue.co, MikeDonahue.co. You can find his book there, Talking to Brick Walls. Maybe you want to get it and follow along with us. But uh, stick around. We're going to help with our communication gap, talking to our teenagers, talking to what we think are brick walls. But they really do need you. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Mike. Good night. Hello, Walls.